Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Yes, yes, y'all. This is your boy, Kale. Hey, everybody. This is Claremont II. My name is Mac Davis. What up, what up? This is Boy Wonder. This is August Regal. This is Jade Ang. You're not rocking with your man, Tona Tank, ready? Hey, what up, everybody? It's your boy, Pluto. Hey, what's good? This is Little Sims. What's happening, y'all? This is Dame Funky. You're listening to The Come Up Show. Get inspired. It's the come up show. This is the show that you come up on. Yeah. This is the spot that you come up strong. You heard? Hey, welcome to the Come Up Show podcast. Happy New Year. Welcome to 2017. My name is Cheddar. I'm the host and founder of the Come Up Show. And this is part two of the best of 2016. This is highlighting and featuring the best interviews that we did on the Come Up Show podcast in 2016. And this is part two, the final round. And yo, before I get into the podcast and the interviews, I do want to let you know, if you haven't already checked it out on our SoundCloud account, uh, we put together the best of 2016 songs, the best music to come from Canada in the past year. Make sure you check it out. And what I love about the mix is that it represents all types of sound from trap, underground, boom bap, R&B, hip hop. I've been playing the mix nonstop. I would love for you to take it in. I think you'll enjoy it. Or whatever, your car ride, transportation, the gym, or whatever. Check it out and let me know what you guys think. So let's get into it. Part 2 of the best of 2016. And if you haven't listened to part 1 already, I strongly recommend that you do. And if you did listen to it right when it came out, we've made a bunch of updates in part 1. That makes it sound so much better. Some feedback that we got and we've upgraded it. And um, this part 2 should be just as good. And yo, um, we got some great guests and... What I love about part two is we had guests like August Rigo who told us why he got depressed when he became successful. We have Boy Wanda telling us if after winning a Grammy for Kendrick Lamar's album, if it changed his creative process at all. And the face of modern funk, Dame Funk, telling us if we're in the best times as a, as a creative. Uh, so let's get it started with Osayan who told us that making music is only half the battle. Right after that, we go to South Central LA. Uh, we interview Duckworth, and he tells us about the concept of ugly, which was his EP. And he talks about how you know accepting your, your insecurities actually is a benefit to you. And then we get into Dame Funk, which was the most listened to interview that we had in 2016. The you know the feedback, the comments, the reposts, the followers that we got alone off Dame Funk. It was ridiculous, and you'll be able to know why when we get into it. The Come Up Show, Best of 2016 Part 2. Let's go! Osayam. I like to thank God. Don't take shit for granted. Get love in my city. We raising the standard. Oh, my God. Oh, my. Tell me why they want to fuck with a nigga while he in the crime. I'm an optimist. You can deny my accomplishments. I'm still asserting my dominance. Hero to hate, but it don't face my confidence. Kill everything like the end of the party shit. Success is my own. I'm Leo DiCaprio. I don't need awards. Give me the money to blow. Leo DiCaprio. I don't need awards. Just give me the hoes. Leo DiCaprio. I don't need awards. To shut out the show. I'm Leo DiCaprio. I'm Leo. I'm Leo. I'm Leo, I'm Leo, I'm Leo DiCaprio, I don't need awards, give me the money to blow, Leo DiCaprio, I don't need awards, just give me the hoes, Leo DiCaprio, I don't need awards, to shut on the show, I'm Leo DiCaprio, I'm Leo, I'm Leo, I'm Leo, I'm Leo, yeah. Who are you checking for, Charlie Brown? 
Um, in the city, man's like, man's like, um, Claremont second. Man's like, yo, shout out to Stay Out Late, man. Them, those guys are coming up. You know what I mean? Who else? Who else? Sean Leon. That's just popping. And like, man, like Lou Breeze, like you know what I mean? He was, he, he, he was on a wave. Like when I was doing my thing, like you know what I mean? With like when I was still doing solo, like Lou Breeze was out there, and like I'm. Hoping this guy busts just now, you know what I mean? Because yeah. like I've been taking his music in for a while, and like yo, the man puts out fire, and like that's one that's one thing that kind of sucks about what's going on in Toronto because like we have great artists, you know what I mean? But the outlets for these artists, it's like it's so difficult because like yo, if like take a Lubriz, he's been grinding for a hot minute, right? Yo, if he had the infrastructure like in the states or whatever, like he came out like out there. Not to say that a hundred percent he would bust, but like. Yo, he makes great music, right? So, like, if he had the foot in the door over there, it would bust. But over here, it's more like, all right, cool. You make great music. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's like, so now what? So you do little shows, this, that, or whatever. And then you have to try and finesse something over in the States when that's not even where you're from. You know what I mean? Like, we haven't really, really got radio stations to, you know what I mean, bump your music over here. So, and, like, nowadays it's not so, so radio central. But the radio still matters, you know what I mean? Especially if you have, like, a radio kind, kind of hit. Like, you know what I mean? You want that. You want those spins. You want that shit to go. But, like, we don't even have any stations that just play Toronto music or Canadian music. You know what I mean? It's like the government's trying to help and say, like, yo, you got to play a percentage. But, you know what I mean? Because, like, right now, before, maybe you could argue the quality of music wasn't, wasn't there. Maybe you could argue that. But, like, now, the shit that's going on in the city, now the quality that's coming out of the city right now, guy, you could have a two, three-hour set on a radio station. But, like, you don't see that. You know what I mean? So it's like you have these great artists that are doing their thing and are fighting to get out of the city and get their music heard, but it's just harder. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, I mean, that's always a topic that goes on in the city, but it's just something that we have to overcome. You know? Yeah, and how, so how do you guys navigate when you see that, though, the landscape of, you're right, like, Lou Breeze has been doing it for how long? He's a great, talented artist. J.D. Era is another example of, like, you know, I was, like, playing J.D. Arrow seven, eight years ago on my radio show. I'm like, yo, you're next. He got signed with Raekwon. All this stuff happened, and then you're like, yo, like, Sometimes it may be depressing. I'm not an artist myself, but when I look at them, I'm like, yo, what's going on? And and so, like, how do you guys navigate with that? Is that, like, like I guess what is your goal as an artist, as a duo? Is it just to make music and have fun with it? Or is it try to see, like, what else you could do with it of trying to make it a career? Or is it for now, is it like, yo, we're just going to have fun with this and see where it takes us? No, it's definitely career-driven. Like, it's not a play-play thing, you know what I mean? Like... But that's what basically what I was saying. Like, remember before I was just like, yo, man, just had to get the business right. Like, you know what I mean? So it's kind of been a struggle to um, figure out the right moves, who to meet, this, that, that, and the third, whatever, whatever, right? But, like, that's part of the game. You know what I mean? So it's definitely, we're definitely chasing it as a career. It's not, it's not something that we do on the sideline. Like, we definitely put everything into it. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's just being strategic. It's just like, okay, now we're doing things in the city. We're getting, like, our name bubbling, shit like that or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now what? You take it over to the States. You, you try and go, you try and go to Europe. You try and, like, you know what I mean? Like, you, you, you make sure that your music is heard everywhere possible. Cause like that's that's when something could pop. Cause you never know who's listening. You know what I mean? Exactly. Say a bigger artist could be like, oh shit, I just heard these guys. Exactly. Let me go reach out to that and whatever, right? But if you're not if you're not pushing your music to the limit everywhere, mm-hmm. 
you could be losing out on on opportunities that you never knew were there. You know what I mean? So it's just you got to figure it out. <laughs> Especially coming from Toronto, like there's no one really just like picking you up and being like, "This is the." You know what I mean? You gotta you gotta roll that dice and figure it out for yourself. So. Even though there's more spotlight on our, on on what's happening in Toronto, like I still think that we're at a bit of like a disadvantage. You know what I mean? Like we got to work twice as hard. You know what I mean? And maybe to get half of the 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 results, but it's like. Yeah, like you doing it for a while as we have, like doing it together and all that, and getting some acclaim, getting some recognition. Like you realize that like making music is is really only half the battle. You know what I mean? Like making the music is like half the battle. Like you got to figure out a whole lot of shit around that marketing, promotion, and all that kind of stuff. Really, just to as just like to reinforce what Charlie's saying, like to get your music heard all over the place. It's not just like oh, I'm just gonna boom up. Uh, record this track and, and pop it out on SoundCloud or, or, or whatever, or put it up on iTunes and hope that it's going to sell a million downloads or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, there's a whole lot more to it, you know? And we're starting to really figure it out and, and, and navigate through that. Duckworth. Yeah. And when you said you had that face or you're like, that ugly, like, crunching face when something is just so nasty and which is perfectly tying into the question about uh, your new EP called I'm Ugly you say it's it's gonna make you feel like that you're that your face gonna be like oh what's this but it's also about accepting your flaws and making them beautiful so tell me more about that yeah so yeah like I said covering the whole like just aggressiveness but still like uh, it's confusion it's euphoria it's like you know for some reason like when those like feelings are coming about your face like you just can't control it you're not very aware of what's happening on your face but your face scrunches up but then also um yeah yeah it's like ugly it's like accepting your flaws like one of my flaws or not even a flaw but like one of the things is like an abnormality in like the concepts of beauty is like gaps in the teeth and like uh recently it's been like come very accepted but like, I just developed a gap over like three years ago. I don't know why. How did that happen? I don't know. It just came out of nowhere. <laughs> Do you talk to a dentist about it or no? Not really. Uh, that dentist hate me, man. I didn't pay my bills. But uh. <laughs> but uh, yeah, nah. I just got a gap in between my teeth, and it, it came out of nowhere. My mom was like, always having like say I always have perfect teeth, mm-hmm. and it's just like for me, like my gap is still like perfect teeth to me. I love it, you know. It's yeah. just like it, it, it's like my little ugly, you know. But it's just like. Mm, it's, t- it's like, you know, you age and develop and stuff. Like, you just start gaining, like, more attributes and different little, like, textures and features, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just, like, this creates, like, you're ugly. But it's also, like, it makes you fucking beautiful as hell, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And it's funny thing because uh, people from London, England, that was a defining feature. Mm. Their gap teeth, yep. and, and it's something that's different. Yeah. Which kind of ties into, you talk about the best thing that you can do for yourself is to love yourself, accept yourself, and then when you really find yourself do everything to reflect yourself and i think we've always heard that like love yourself accept yourself i want to know about finding yourself like how you found yourself or maybe you're still on that journey because a lot of people have a hard time Mm -hmm. defining like what am i here for what what should i be doing type of thing i'm still finding myself but i've become very sure of myself because like I don't know, man. It, it just you just you look in the mirror, and it's just like if you're unhappy with what you see in the mirror, then you got some more work to do. You know, I think like what they're talking about with peace and tranquility is not specifically happiness. Like people think that happiness is peace, but it's not so much that. Peace is like acceptance in a certain way. When you accept like just like you were built this way, and it's just like you know like God made you this way, or whatever created you this way, and like you are like that perfect person, and it's just like within there you just start living through it. So like you know. If I have, like, 
six fingers, like, I'm going to, like, brand that shit. Like, I'm going to make that a part of my art and my craft, bro. Like, I got six, I'm going to call my, if I was a rapper and was six fingers, I'd call myself six fingers or some shit like that. And it just, like, you just accept those things. It, the faster you accept it, the easier your life becomes. Because it's, like, if you can't accept it, then it's just, like, it's, like, it's not so much peace. It's, like, it's war with yourself all the time, fighting, you know? I feel like that's what Michael Jackson was going through. Like, he would look in the mirror, and he couldn't accept himself. And, like, for so long of his life, like, he was, like, bleaching and just, like, you know, like, going through the operation because he just couldn't accept it. And there was no peace or tranquility in his life. And, like, that is, that's death to me. So it's just, like, true creativity, like, true creation is acceptance. Acceptance is peace. And that's what we all fucking want at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. What is it about when you accept yourself? Say if you had six fingers and you, you're a rapper called Six Fingers. People would love that, right? right. People would like yeah, fucking yeah. can't have enough of your six fingers. Yes. And what is it about when you do something like that, when you accept yourself and put it out there and tell people this is who I am? They like they, get, they just love it. They can't get enough of, of it. And when you don't, like example, when Neo wore hats all the time when he first came out and he did that because uh, labels told him you look ugly bald wear your hats whatever and then I think when he had a mugshot it was the first time people saw him bald they're like oh my god like you know it's like when you hide your insecurities and they get exposed people kind of make fun of you but then if you accept your insecurities and say this is who I am people actually love you for that what is it about that? I don't know, man. It's weird. Society's weird with that whole insecurity shit. (laughs) But it's like, I mean, okay, I'll give you an example. Like, today I was, like, performing. I was going ham and shit like that. And I tripped over the speaker hella hard. And it just, like, I could have either, like, tried to, like, act like it didn't happen. Or I can sit there and, like, point at the speaker and, like, laugh, like, with the crowd. Because I know the crowd is laughing, like, they're not going to strip. I'm just like, I'm going to laugh with y'all because that shit was funny, yo. Like, it's just, like, I know we're in, like, I'm in, like, you know, performance mode. But, like. I'm still a human being within this performance. So it's like, I'm going to trip and fall. And if I trip and fall, I'm going to giggle at myself because I know somebody else is giggling too. And then, like, it's kind of like having, like, the giggle session together is what makes it more, more unified. It just makes it better. So it's like, if he's, like, he had a big-ass head, like, come out with your big-ass head and stuff like that. Like, I know you got teased with it, and like, but, like, everybody going to have fun with it, bro. Like, have fun with it too. But if you try to hide it, and then it, like, comes out later, like, because you, you got a big-ass head. Then it's like, yeah, people going to laugh. Or people like, damn, son, like, you been trying to hide that? That's you been hiding this whole time? <laughs> like, fuck that. Come out the bet with, like, great vocals and a big head. <laughs> yeah. And then watch how that shit works out, you know? Dame Funk. Is this uh, one of the best times to be alive as a creative as we head in towards independence? Hmm. I don't know if it's the best time. I think it's a... Uh, um it's a crowded time. It's, it's very crowded, you know, to be... Uh, saturated, that's for sure. Saturated. I get 100 emails a day in my music submissions. There you go, man. I believe you. And, and the cold-blooded part is that, you know, it's going to take that person to finally realize there's somebody around them like, yo, you might want to change the idea of what you want to do. But you can't really destroy somebody's purpose. So it's going to be up to that person to realize... Do I really want to do this because it is saturated? And do I have what it takes? Being creative, like I said, doesn't mean you have to be the person out front on stage. Creativity is all types of things in music. You can be doing anything in the game. Like just like you say, being creative in the best time to be creative. It is a good time because now I think that it's with the technology we have in our hand, it's a much beautiful time to create from an aspect of really creating and thinking about something that no one's thought about where 
years ago, it was only certain things, you know what I'm saying? Either you do this or do that. You know what I'm saying? You can be a painter, a sculptor, but now you can open up a a shop in a corner of the middle of the city and do things from that shop and, you know, have anything in there and be creative that way. You know what I mean? It's just all kinds of ideas to be creative and you can actually make revenue from it. So to answer your question, I think it is an exciting time. I don't know if it's the best creative time because, like you said, the saturation, and I hate to be a pessimistic sounding person right now, but the saturation is creating stuff that needs honing. You know, it's just... And this is not just me, even because I'm not even from that era. But I mean, when you think about people from like Frank Zappa and George Duke and those kind of cats, even before some of the even the classical musicians, it's just the creative level. It's just not as high as it used to be because it's oversaturated. So you got to be careful. I think my advice right now for anybody listening be the best that you can be, you know what I mean? The best, you know what I'm saying? Not just like, okay, I'm going to make this beat, yo. I'm just going to like do it for like, you know, five minutes, just mess around. That's art. Just put it out. SoundCloud. That's art. You know? <laughs> it's like you fucked around with it for five minutes, you know what I'm saying? And you just going to drop it on SoundCloud and expect people to, and then get mad because your friends don't support it. No, it has to be good, man. You know what I mean? That's what people are missing. We're living in the age of instant gratification. Instant gratification. Don't get mad at me telling you this in an interview right now or a podcast or what we're doing. It's like, it's the reality, man. You have to understand, man, the instant gratification. Don't expect it. Don't expect it. And so, I mean, I slaved in my bedroom for years making tapes. Nobody ever heard it. I didn't have any platform to upload it and let people hear in Timbuktu somewhere by midnight. And I made it at 9 p.m. I didn't have that. And guess what, though? By not having that, it kept me more humble. And I was able to hone my craft with elbow grease. And by the time I was able to get to a studio and do stuff, if people would give me a chance, I could show them how, like, I can make a song from scratch. The engineers scratching his head like what the fuck did you just do like you did that like and i'm like oh this is no big deal because i'm used to doing that by being in this bedroom for years and nobody told me that that's dope that's whoo like and getting to see a, a ticker of, of 223 likes with little hearts on on, the, on a, it's just i didn't have that like people that i came up with didn't have that you know what I'm saying? So now people are walking around with 223 like hearts and think that they the shit. And then when somebody tell they ass, a uh, real me, Herbie Hancock motherfucker, like, oh, what is that? That's bullshit. You know, in so many words. And they go, oh, I want to jump off a bridge. My music sucks. You know, it's like they discover like, oh, I might have to. But it's a reality that people just don't want to face because we've created a generation and a society where they're entitled and you gotta like it and if you don't like it guess what you're hating you're a hater you're a hater because you don't like my stuff so now i'm supposed to just like think that somebody who takes a bucket of shit and throws it on a wall uh, throws it on a wall at an art gallery (laughs) that's dope oh no you don't understand you don't understand. That's dope. I just threw a bucket of shit at the wall. What are you doing? You're saying that my shit isn't good? You're, you're hating. No, man. You just threw a bucket of shit in the wall. Tell the truth. It's not art. Now, some people might think it is. You know what I'm saying? It's like the ultra art. This guy. 
He just shit it in a bucket and he threw it on a wall. Whoo! That is art. Oh my God. Oh, frame it. Frame it. You know, it's like, are we really going to go there? Are we really going to keep, are we going to do that? So that's where we're at right now. Are we going to keep enabling? Are we going to keep telling people that everything is good? Or are we just going to like be honest and just like, you know, yo, man, you need to step it up, man, and think about either doing something else or get better. You know what I'm saying? Or get better sounds weird because it is all about the eye of the beholder. But I just feel, man, like, you know, we need to get back to like just really honing our craft. You know what I'm saying? And, and sometimes you might not need to be out here trying to get no record deal. You know what I'm saying? Or just put it out yourself. You know what I mean? And then let it be what it is. And then think yeah. of some other things to do in your life to, to, to combine, you know, what you're doing. Let's keep it going with Tanisha telling us that sometimes you have to force your confidence to catch up. Then we get to the, whoa, Devante, who I interviewed in a park, which is you'll be hearing that the nature sounds in the, in the background. It was a perfect setting for our interview. And he tells us why timing is always Godspeed. And then we end this segment with Stogie T from South Africa and why he tells us he doesn't need to be validated and doesn't shy away from the title of being a rapper. His occupation is being a rapper. He's not a rapper slash activist. You know, some people say, uh, you know, nowadays, in, especially in 2017 and beyond, when uh, some when you say, hey, I'm a rapper, that's my job, that might not be the thing that you might lead with, but he is proud of that title and why he loves to call himself a rapper. Let's get into it. Tanisha. So uh, you also said sometimes you got to force your confidence to catch up. What does that mean? It just means that like sometimes even though you might have doubts or you might like feel like, man, I don't know if I could do this. You just have to tell yourself, well, you're going to do it. So like catch up with me. Um, and that's something that's really big for me because for a long time, like things were just like the smallest of things were like, oh, my gosh, I can't do this. And, this. and like even now, like that I'm doing so much more, it just really shows me that like the second you stop telling yourself like doubting and just questioning things and just not. Um, allowing yourself to to reach your full potential mm-hmm. is the time where like things just start happening, and so that's all I really meant by that is just like force yourself, ignore all the doubts and the negative stuff, and just do what you love. Devante. And he talked about Godspeed, which is uh, featuring Joey Badass uh, on a song, uh, My Timing Ain't Wrong, It's Always on Godspeed. And you have this sense of like pure faith and, you know, if people are listening you know, there's this kind of like worry-free, pure faith that you have. Uh, tell me about that, man. Where, the, like, of um, you know, people because people are always worrying about something, but you just like, like, what does that mean? What does that mean? My timing ain't wrong. It's always on God's speed. Well, there's just no point to stress in life because as long as you're fulfilling that purpose and following your heart, it's gonna lead you to where you need to be, even if you have to lead you through the fire. You know, sometimes you have to get burned to know what it feels like to not be burned. You know, and when I realized that, like. People, it goes back to like me not stressing about when the masses are going to hear it or anything like that because 
I know that my timing is on my timing and my purpose is my purpose and my journey is my journey. So as long as I have faith in God, he will deliver. And if I serve him, he will deliver me. And it's it's pretty, it's a simple philosophy, but a lot of people just, you know, they're, um, have their own beliefs. And I just feel like I'm not here to be a preacher. I'm here to be the light so I can just shine and, and let people see that my faith and that faith and through God all is possible. Um, so I wake up in the morning, I'm very thankful and I try to help others and I know that just following my heart, which is like, I feel like my soul, which is connected to, you know, we're all connected. Mm-hmm. Um, following that will always lead me in where I need to be. And I love hearing that because I'm that type of person as well too. But you always have downs, you have sure. frustrations, That's you have balance. stresses. And like, I want to know, I want to hear more about these things because people, you know, somebody who's listening right now is going through those. Th- yeah. How do you deal with that when those things happen? Like, you know, you, there's got to be things when you get pissed yeah. off, mad or whatever. Like, I want to see that. I want to hear about that. Well, you got to. <laughs> uh, yeah, I definitely had anger problems before. And I just honestly realized, learn how to balance it. And I realized that no energy wasted, like no negative energy is worth having. So, like, there's no point of getting mad, like, because you have to understand other people, their brains are different. And they're thinking the way they think because that's who they are. So, if you're going to let someone else stress you out, then you're actually letting it get to you and like affect you and then it's 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 distracting you from your focus on what you need to do so like a big thing is i go through nature walks um i just deep breaths and like sometimes you got to cry and like let it out for real like your hardest you got to just ask god for the strength to get through sometimes like because there are days that everyone's weak because there's days that you're strong and it comes down to balance which is everything and you have to go through that and you have to just know that all will be well. Like, you know, like, all think about all the hard times that you've been through in life. And, like, sometimes you thought, like, oh, how am I going to get through this or whatever. But then you look and if you're able to actually listen to this still and, and to think about that, that means you've got through it. Or you're, you're, you're going through it and you will get through it because there's been harder times. And even through your, if, it, if it's the hardest time, just know that all will be well. Like, just have faith. And, honestly, reading the Bible helped me restore faith. And talking to God and prayer. Prayer is huge. Being able to just have a conversation with God and being specific and, you know, asking for, like, little things, like, to open your eyes to see what is around you instead of, like, asking, like, oh, I want a big house. Like, it's cool you can ask for that, too, but, like, I find more gems in, like, I ask, just let me serve you today and follow me and, like, guide me through the journey I need to do or just allow me to open my eyes to see the people around me and their intentions or, you know, to to just help someone else today. Like, let me just to put me in someone's path that is going through a lot that I can take their, their worries away from them. Stogiti. All right, the next tweet is, uh, people always want to have conversations about, about how much hip-hop can meet this or that or which MC should be. No, rapper is adequate. You're saying rappers don't need to have excuses for themselves. And I even know of, like, you know, being a media person and, and representing hip hop, like you have to act in different ways in front of corporate and all these type of stuff. Like some people may be scared to say, like saying I'm a rapper today is not like a popular thing. Like, I f- like rappers kind of disposable. Some people think. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I remember Jay Z saying something like, you know, I, I'm here to make the next Biggie's life better. You know what I mean? That's why I'm I'm making my move so that if there's a next Biggie, he, you know, he doesn't get shot. He gets 
a handshake. He gets, you know, the door open for him at a, you know what I'm saying? Um, and I feel the same about the, the rapper, the term, and just being that. I'm like, yo, there's a, an amazing school in hip hop. There's an amazing ethos. There's an amazing, you know what I mean? That, 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 that one can lean to. You don't need to be validated by a university project. You don't need to be validated by some professor saying hip hop is this. It means that. It's like, yo, we, we already know that. We already know that. KRS is the is the teacher. We already know that, you know, Drake's for the parties. We already know that DMX is the tortured one. We all know that Pac is the revolutionary. We, you know what I mean? We have all those characters, and it's like I feel like yo, for me, I'm I'm incredibly proud to say yo, I'm a rapper. I don't have to say I'm a rapper slash activist. I'm a rapper slash. I'm like yo, no, I'm a rapper. I'm not a businessman. I'm a rapper. I rap for a living, and for that's my vocation. You know what I'm saying? If there was an interview that I talked about a lot this past year. Yo, it was my conversation with August Rigo. Uh, when I was t- telling people about the Come Up Show podcast, I'm like, yo, start off with my August Rigo interview and conversation. And the reason why is here's the case of a Toronto musician who's super successful. Like, this guy's written four songs for Justin Bieber, One Direction, Chris Brown. He's got the checks r- rolling in. You know, he tells us in the conversation he bought a home in LA to himself. But then once he accomplishes all these things, he gets depressed. And he tells us why, and I love this lesson because, you know, this is the come-up show. A lot of the artists that we're interviewing are people on the come-up. I think this is a valuable lesson for the people who are on the come-up, all of us who are trying to accomplish what August has, you know, the digs that August has. But, you know, he lets us know what is important. Then we get into the conversation with Dwayne Homeless, a.k.a. Dookie Dukes, who is a leading video director. Uh, He was Redway's right-hand man, R.I.P. to Redway, and he told us how he met Redway and YouTube personality Femi Lawson and about the legend of the Red Room, which a lot of people in Toronto, I guess, worked from. And then we get into Mac Davis talking to us about addiction. Let's get it. August Rigo. Everybody's talking about the new school. It's gonna be us one day. It's gonna be us one day. Wish that I could cop you all the new new But girl, we living day to day Don't you worry, we okay, we got it Yeah You've been to New York a hundred times, mm-hmm. you're hustling, you're grinding, you're trying to get people's attention, but there had to have been moments when you were down, when things felt futile, when you were like, fuck, man, is this working? Is this worth it? I want, can you take me to a moment in time where you felt like that, where it was a shitty day and how you overcame it? Um, yeah, the funny thing is, during the grind, I had so much energy and so much, just I felt like I had so much to give. That and I had never seen, you know, I'd never seen anything before. So, like in terms of the industry, I never got down when I was poor, you know, when I was just grinding out because you're low already, you know. At that time, you're low, so every vic, every small victory felt like, you know, a joyous one. Every meeting that you did, even though nothing came out of it, like yo, he liked that song, right? He liked that song, you know. You were getting validation every time out. Um, I went through a horribly depressed phase when I moved to LA. 
So this is after Justin Bieber. This is after making money. And like, and this is at a time where I was living life. Like in L.A., I, I'm admittedly, like I had a, I lived by myself. I had a four-bedroom house with a recording studio built in, in the hills, looking over the canyon. Like it was, it was real. Um, why, would you, why would you be depressed? And it's L.A., it's sunny all the time. You're coming from yeah, Toronto. Um, <laughs> You just get to a point where, like, you know, I wasn't making the music that I loved anymore. You know, I was chasing after artists and chasing hits, basically, and just writing from a weird place. Um, I was going through bad problems with my management. And then, you know, money wasn't coming in like the way it used to. So, you know, it hit me hard because after coming off a big high and, like, everybody thinks, oh, this guy writes amazing songs. You know, when you start writing these songs and you're your own worst critic, I feel like you should be it anyways, but I, I'm always that. And I was just hating my song, so I was hating myself. I remember not leaving my, my room for like weeks, bro. I would just sit there, I was smoking weed like way too much, you know, just watching TV and not doing anything because I hated everything that came out of my mouth. Like I hated everything that came out of my mind. I had no perspective. It's, uh, what do they say, that idleness is the devil's playground? Like, I wasn't doing anything, so, like, mad things are running through my head. Yeah, and I got through it myself with, you know, just kind of taking everything into perspective and looking at where I was, what I'm doing, and, like, what's the main problem here? The main problem is I have nothing to say anymore. And I didn't want to make it up. I wasn't inspired, right? So, you know, I took the lumps, and then... I guess I was just in a funk, like a writing funk, and I just had to write myself out of it. Now that I'm here, it's a mental thing. Like, you have to get over yourself, right? So, like, three years later, I'm living in Toronto. I go back to those records that I hated, and a lot of them weren't... They were good. Like, they were great songs. A lot of them were great songs that I'm actually getting out now, but my headspace wasn't right. So I, I was lucky that I was able to overcome that, you know? And I think it's just loving the music enough that it'll take you through, you know, the hardship. Because, you know, the biggest thing for me was... I do music for a living, like, and I'm and I'm making a good living. Like, I could fail breaking bricks, or I could fail making hits, like one or the other. You know what I mean? So if if I'm gonna fail at something, I want to fail something something I love. But I wasn't giving my hundred percent. I was giving less than one percent because I was just feeling sorry for myself. So I was like, you know what? And I was putting too much emphasis on what people thought of me and my music, as opposed to just putting out what do I think of the music. Right? Do I like this? I didn't know what I liked because I was, use, I was using everybody's opinion to affect my own. You know, I wrote out the last year in L.A. and I, with that perspective, doing my thing. And I moved back home to Toronto and I did my album. Like, that's how I got through it. Like, I got through it by just, just really digging into myself and being like, you know what? It's not that bad. Because it isn't. It's, it's just like, yeah, you can't feel sorry for yourself because the industry is not looking at you the way you used to. Like, no, you're not doing what you used to. Like, I had to really... You know, when you look at yourself in the mirror and really take account, like what I was saying, you take accountability for everything that's happening mm-hmm. instead of blaming everybody else and everything around you, mm-hmm. that'll allow you to, one, get off your ass. But the second thing allowed me to figure out, like, yo, what am I made of? Like, what am I made of? Am I made of steel or am I soft? I figured I could get through that and I could get through, you know, I got to build it back up. Got to make more songs. Got to write better songs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, take the time to study, man. Take the time to study. Take the time to listen to the records. Take the time to figure out what my weaknesses are. Strengthen my weaknesses. And, you know, reinforce my strengths. Dwayne Wholeness. So you're, you're saying, um, so uh, you met Femi and Redway through the initiatives of the community. And how did that happen? It was in, where is this downtown? Because Redway is from Masaga, right? Yeah, okay. So how did that happen? Yeah, so 
when I got expelled, I was put into a safe school, quote unquote, safe school, um, which was Emory Collegiate. And that was the time when I met Femi. We, he was at the same school. At this point, I was in my feelings. I'm like, yo, I'm going to this school. I ain't trying to talk to nobody. I'm just going to try to finish school, and that's it. But it didn't end up that way, and I ended up knowing everybody in the school, and Femi was one of them. Femi lived really close to me. So it was at the point where he'd come to my house, and I thank God for my mom because my mom allowed me to do a lot of crazy shit in the house. She, like, I mean... Like what? <laughs> <laughs> like everything. Everything you could think of, we did it in the house. Like, it, it was crazy because it was, for us... Um, looking back at, back at it now, it was like a creative hub. I had my computer, I had my webcam. Like literally, like me and Femi would sit there by the webcam and just randomly put on a beat and just freestyle, just for the hell of it. And, and it just got to the point where we started making tracks just for fun. And literally, people from different neighborhoods would come to my house in my little room. We called it the Red Room. It was really a lot of people know about the Red Room, and that. It just caused a buzz. Like, people wanted to come to the Red Room just to spit on the camera. It was like a big tigger at that point. Like, I literally have, I still to this day have so much footage that will be released when, you know what I mean, when, when it's time. But it, it was such a creative hub for everyone. And, and meeting Redway, literally, I met him on, I think it was Facebook back in the days. I always seen him, and we just spoke. And one day, I took a trip over to Mississauga just to see what's up, and we instantly clicked and I was just like blown away by his music and our relationship got to the point where he actually moved into my house. You know what I mean? He sl we slept on the same bed and I had a mic in my room. I had, I had a computer and we literally just started like, I, I had to engineer. I had to learn how to engineer just so that, because we couldn't afford studio time. We couldn't afford certain things. So it was to the point where we literally just did everything together from making the music to making the videos to going to shows together to like we we're attached to the hip at that point. And we started to see that with us three, me, Femi and Redway, we had a bond and we had a connection that was just genuine. You know, like we weren't trying to step on anybody's toes. Femi was Femi was very much into school at that point. So he wasn't really around as much because he was very much into, into school. But we knew that Femi had a character. Femi had a personality. But at that point, we didn't understand it. No one understand what we were doing. Like, I started really taking videos seriously because of Redway. You know what I mean? Because he needed someone to shoot the videos. So I was like, all right, I'm going to do that. And then it just got to the point where... People started seeing it. People started liking my work, and then they wanted me to do this for them. And I, I started doing so much videos for free, for free, just because I loved, like, I wanted to just test out all these skills, you know. So it, it just got to the point where we started to build upon each other's skill, and that was it was, just, it was just a magical time at that time. It, it, was, it was magical. There was people from all over the city came to my house in my room. Like, my mom's room was right across you know what I mean? And I'm and talking... Your mom's cool with all these strangers coming to the my home. Mom, my mom just let me do what I had to do because, like, I've never been able to see my mom as much. Like, my mom works stupid hours, stupid hours. I'm talking about from 7 in the morning to 11 at night and then back again 7 in the morning, 11 at night. So the only time I'll catch her is if I'm up at 6 or if I'm up at 12. When she comes back home, she's back to sleep. So... Hey, I don't know what she was thinking, but she just let me. I'm talking about there was noise in the house. There was everything. Like, we were 
Oh my gosh! But it was a, it was for us. It was a creative hub because no one else's parents would have let them do that. So if it wasn't for my mom letting us do that, there wouldn't be Femi wouldn't be who Femi is at this point. I wouldn't be who I am at this point. Really, wouldn't be who he is because literally we spent hours and hours working on each other's craft, and that's what shaped us. Mac Davis. Over the influence, that's that title right there. What does that mean? You know, people say, you know, under the influence, but over the influence. Um, I definitely, like, wanted to play on, like, drug metaphors, but it's, like, beyond drugs because I think anything can become a drug. You know, some people are addicted to food. Some people are addicted to love. Um, So the title um, was about, like, separating yourself from things that are consuming you and and controlling your actions so even just like literally like over the influence like people telling you how to live like when you're just kind of over that it's just kind of being above that control whatever's controlling you a lot of people think like i i chose that title to say like don't be under the influence like don't drink like it's not about that it's like deeper than that Mm-hmm. Well, it is there, like, in terms of, uh, like, talk about the aesthetics of your branding, as an example, the artwork for Over the Influence and the website and stuff like that. You got pills and stuff. Tell me more about that for our podcast listeners. Well, a lovely illustrator, Ariel Rose, did my um, artwork. I just loved her style. So that was like, oh, I would see her illustrations and be like, wow. That inspired me because... You know, we're such a drug-obsessed culture, and I'm not going to say that's necessarily bad. Like, you know, I've experimented with my share of drugs and stuff, too. Um, But it's like people don't think about the consequences, and I'm not trying to sound like luxury at all. But it's like there's this glamorization of, of it, like, you know, popping Xanax and stuff and, you know, you know, popping perks. And when you do that, your mind state like for me like yo it it really changes your mind state and it really like puts you in a different place sometimes where it's like hard to not even about like you know drugs make you bad whatever it's like whatever you could do all the drugs you want but if you're not aware of the effect that it's having on you like you're gonna eventually like spiral i thought it was like cool to just like play on those like pills and actually like make it ironic like you know have some like pink pills they look really enticing they look fun like it looks almost like really cute it's so like obvious that it's like it makes you like rethink like what it actually means in terms of like beyond your health but like depending on anything it would be my goal to not depend on anything like whether it be coffee i'm drinking a coffee right now Mm -hmm. but we all have dependencies and like habits 
My interview with Tona was over two hours long. I couldn't believe it because I remember my hand hurting from holding the microphone for so long. But it was a great conversation, one of the best interviews. Uh, we had to split it into two parts because it was around two hours. And Tona gives us some classic Toronto gems. And he shares in this piece, like meeting uh, Drake early back in the day and how he got to collaborate with him. Then I then I released, then next up coming up is two huge back-to-back interviews with producers who are killing it in the game, Boy Wanda and Murder Beats. Boy Wanda tells us about the Grammys and winning that and how it may have changed his creative process. And Murder Beats tells us what it was like when nobody believed in him. The Come Up Show podcast, best of 2016 part two. Let's get it. Tona Tancredi. Back then. Oh, shit. I didn't get into the Downtone remix. Downtone's ringing. It's fucking ringing off, like I told you. Back then, I had no idea who... I think we were out some, outside some club one day because we used to just club night every night. I see this cat. And he's like... Jay Stacks knew him back then. Um, and he was just handing out these mixtapes. Back then, I was just on my shit where I'm just like, yo, I'm not... I know you're... Nobody's not... I know you're not nice. Like, you're handing me this mixtape, but I, I, I haven't heard of you. So I'm like, you're not on the radio. There's no way, like... I'm going to even listen to this. Stacks goes, trust me, this guy's fucking nice. And then, yo, I start, um, when I get the mixtape, P tells me he's nice too. I'm like, nah, bro, I'm the only nigga that's nice. So P's like, no, this guy's nice. And ends up being fucking uh, Drake from Room for Improvement. Like, this is around the time he starts, like, getting into the mix. Because I usually, I know who's on the circuit, like, through Project Bounce and who's coming in and out of the radio station and, and who's what. And then I start, like... My, this is after Dalton. And I just hear the. Dead out tonight with they say you're cutting. I'm like, this nigga's nice. <laughs> I'm like, yo, this nigga's nice. Mad nice. So I'm like, okay, I'm starting to get introduced to like my mind, my judgment and my mind is not as clouded as it used to be. I'm like, yo, now I just got to start accepting like, yo, the different artists to work with in the city because I didn't really work with anybody as far as like MCs on any other the, the work I've done, the projects before, prior. Right. So that rings off. And then I actually come across Drake. And then yo, at the time, he's like, yo, I just I'm a, like, I'm a fan of your shit. At that time, he's like, yo, like, we should just do something. And I was letting him know, like, yo, I, he knows about Dalton, but I was like, yo, I would just love for you to, like, jump on a remix. You know what I'm saying? I was thinking about doing a remix. Now, when I'm thinking about the remix, I don't want to, I didn't want to, I wanted to make it where we're not flowing on the original, but something very similar to it. So I had live, like, Chef Up a beat. But I put on all the MCs that I've met over the time. Like, again, this is the first time, like, I'm even collabing with anybody, especially the Don't Holla EP. This is the only, like, besides, like, you know, my man, like, Poly, um, other than that, like, I'm not thinking about anybody. I don't want to rhyme with anybody because, again, the ignorant mentality where you just, you're self-indulged and you're in your own, uh, your own realm of being. I'm like, all right, I just need to open this door now. So I put a bunch of people on it. These are all cats, mind you, these are all cats I met through the circuit. So J.D. Era I put on there. I put Anonymous Twist, Promise, Theo 3. Theo 3 sets it off. Stalin, Sonny Rockwell. And then Drake, and then me, right? So, like, that was the last order. Like, it was Sonny Rockwell. There's eight people on it. 
I don't know how people got through this shit, man. It was like seven minutes, bro. Like, yeah. if you listen to it, like, you're a fucking fan. <laughs> um, so the last three people on it, I broke it up because there were so many people on it. I was like, three, three, and three, mm-hmm. right? So I'm like, it's actually, I had like choruses in between there or whatever. So it was like, I could be, yo, the number could be off. I think I feel like I'm missing a few MCs, man. If, if I was doing a three, six, nine order. Um, anyway, man, people could search that on YouTube. When he actually sends his verse, he's on Degrassi. Like, he's still doing Degrassi and shit. Mm-hmm. He actually recorded those verses. This is what he was telling me. He said he actually recorded those verses in his trailer. You know what I'm saying? Like, 5 a.m., 6 a.m. in the morning, like, he's cutting verses. That's when I go, yo, this guy's fucking worth it. work ethic is unreal. You know what I'm saying? Like, this guy's working his job, acting and shit. And, like, you know, like, people are, he has fans worldwide at this time, like, and he's laying off hip-hop verses to people, you know what I'm saying, to, to, to rappers like me, man. So I always commended that. I was just like, yo, like, this, this guy's dope so for that. the Tone remix, I just looked it up. Uh, Theo 3, Stalin, JD Era, Promise, Anonymous Twist, Polly, Drake, and Heavyweight. Is that right? Yeah. Drake not only gave me one verse, he gave me two. And he goes, yo, just pick whatever one you like better. I go, yo, this guy's a MC. Like, nobody's ever done that. Usually people just sit there and take like months for me to get their shit off gave me two verses and he goes just pick one so i picked the one that's on the track and i still have the other one archived somewhere so i'm like yo this is this is this is dope man i this is this is the time where i'm like yo this is the time where people love toronto now but me back then i was just like yo i love the city the hip-hop dynamic out here man you know what i'm saying like people we just fuck with each other and create a movement you know what I'm saying? That's all I was thinking back then. So, again, like, yo, the remix comes out, and it's it's kind of buried on the album somewhere, but... Did it come out in the Holla EP? It came out in Holla, yeah, but not on the iTunes version. If you go on the iTunes version, they cut shit. They cut songs off. I don't know why the fuck that happened. Mm-hmm. I think it's because I labeled it an EP, and they took it, ser- like, literal, like, you know what I'm saying? I was kind of... can't be this long. Yeah, right? exactly. Okay, so, okay, okay. it's not on there, but... Um, I probably didn't like play the record in a bunch of spots where it's like, yo, I'm selling a CD and you can get it that way. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? But it's it's crazy because <laughs> around the time like uh, like when Drake's about to take off and shit, one of the few things like people he has no album at this time, but he's just dropping freestyles and shit, like killing it, right? They took that someone put it on YouTube or something and they cut everybody's verse off except his. They're like, yo, new Drake. Song freestyle. This is Dalto remix. I'm like, yo, it's just not even mine no more. So, like, yo, but it was crazy. It was a good. It was a good time for hip hop, man. An artist that displays his art like a museum. I'm sitting in my car with product ready to greet ya. Swat towels and rice and sweater than Condoleezza. See, I'm not underground, too real for the mainstream. I'm somewhere in between, should have been on the scene. Whatever, 16 or traveling far. Y'all counting yourself kings, but fuck y'all all. I'm the guard forever above y'all. My life in the sentence like prison, so every day I stand behind these bars. Pick up the phone, push six, seven. You can skip that part. The operator know you calling a star. Trying to blow up. Sell a hot wire your car, blow you apart for me in 07. It's sexy. If you think I ain't got it, better get it correct. Cause I ain't seen none of you niggas coming in me yet. Still raw. Boy Wonder. Did uh, I heard that winning a Grammy for Kendrick's uh, on To Pimp a Butterfly kind of changed like you are taking it a little bit more seriously now before you were just doing it and you said you're putting a little more thought into it? Is that true? Um, definitely putting um, 
a little more thought into it. I wouldn't say significantly the Grammy changed my um, thought process. It's just, you know, just trying to stay creative and, and push the envelope when it comes to music and not, you know, do the same repetitive things that um, is going on and, you know, just trying to make a different wave. Mm-hmm. Set It Off featuring clips on Cardi's album was your first placement. That What did that mean to you when you first got on that and featuring the clips, which probably you're a fan of? Oh, yeah, I was a huge <laughs> fan of the clips, but... Um, yeah, that was that was a very significant because you know it's just a confidence booster. Like I got on an album and I've never been on any album before. I had to sign paperwork. I had to. It was something brand new and it kind of introduced me to the process of everything and what's going on right now. Uh, what do you think? So obviously p- people are paying attention to Toronto. The six is on a wave and like the attention is here. Being here, what do you think our city needs to do to take a really advantage of the attention? Um, I couldn't tell you what they need to do because I feel like they're already doing it. You know, like there's so many artists coming out of here. There's so many people looking in this direction. Mm-hmm. And I think they're just doing what they're supposed to do and doing whatever they do. And it's, it's working out for them. You know, there's so much, so much talent coming out of here. Murder Beats. Mm-hmm. Uh, you felt that you've always known that since you were young, you were different. Obviously, being left-handed was part of that. You were asking your, your mom these type of questions and you still feel like you're different. You had that sense like... Uh, what made you think that way? I never wanted a job. I always told my mom I'd be different. I was never going to work at no McDonald's. I was never going to cook no waste burgers. I was never going to go to no college, none of that. Mm-hmm. I just knew I, what I, I knew what I was going to do was going to be very special with my life because I'm here and I'm an example. I'm an example just to show people that like you come up from nothing. I came up from a small town, not a big town, so like there's no excuses from, for anyone not being able to do what they want to do. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about not, you don't want to go to college. How was that when your your parents wanted you to go to college when you were at the end of high school? And how did you get them to believe in you? And were you kind of scared a little bit at that time? No, I was just trying to prove points, honestly. Because when I started making beats, no one believed in me. Mm-hmm. Except, like, my dad, R.I.P., a couple other people. But, yeah, started making beats. No one really believed in me. I was going to go to school for business because I like getting money. Because I was getting money in different ways than, than working jobs. And then, yeah. Flex the Antiheroes is a guy who I've known for a very long time, and I was really happy to see him release music because it's been a while. And he tells us on how depressing music makes him happy. Hmm, that sounds weird a little bit, doesn't it? Uh, Harrison, who is an electronic music producer, tells us about getting signed at age 21 only after a few years of making music, which a lot of artists from Toronto would kill for. And then Chris Martin from Post Office Sound, which is one of the my opinion, recording, uh, leading recording studios tells us on how investing in the community actually pays off. Literally. The Come Up Show, Best of 2016, Part 2. Flex the anti-hero. Burn the bridge, light the match, walk away. Made the bed, I lay in today. Made the bed, I lay in today. Burn the bridge, light the match. Walk away, made the bed I lay in today. Made the bed I lay in today. Say hi to the bag, I need my piece of the pie, then I'm out, I'm straight. Say hi to the bag, I need my piece of the pie, then I'm out, I'm straight. Made the bed I lay in today. Made the bed I lay in today. Um, what's inspiring you, Flex? What's inspiring me right now? Yeah. This uh, just what's inspiring me right now is just man. I I've kind of taken more time to just appreciate the people you know that I do have in my life and 
just the scene and how crazy it is to actually be just alive, man. Like, you know, like I don't, I, you don't really think about it when you wake up, but every day you wake up is like that you didn't need to, you know, like it, it's not guaranteed. Right. So I'm just trying to be less pessimistic and a little bit more optimistic and just kind of, you know, find, I always like would dwell on the bad things and instead of finding some sort of good in it, you know, like they're, I don't know, man. It's, it, it can drive you fucking insane. And it's like, do I really want to do that to myself? So, yeah, that's inspiring. Just the, seeing people around me winning. Like, you know, we have a photographer, uh, you know, Maggie, Maggie Elizabeth. She, just watching her growth in the last year, um, you know, Drea, she was, these are all people that were down with Smash Mouth and they've just kind of like elevated in their own right, right? Like Drea with rap season and stuff. It's crazy, man. Like, I like seeing people around me win that I know have the same hunger right and in turn we we all win because you know the album cover was shot by Maggie a year ago I don't she just got her camera and now she's doing like everything right so it's cool man like having a hand from everybody that is all going for the end goal of just being happy is dope you know so that's inspiring to me and I feel like now that I'm kind of thinking more like that music's coming a little easier I mean my music's always kind of dark but that's that's who I am, man. And I like I I I like dark music. Like I like depressed depressing music makes me happy for some reason because I find it's just it's so honest, man. Like I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that sounds weird or what. Um, it does sound weird. It's but like something refreshing or yeah, therapeutic like, or. I just feel like when people make music in in that state, it, it's just it's so real. Like there, there's more. I don't know. It's just it's real. There's emotion in it. You know they. There, there's happiness of them getting it out of their system, right? Like, when I listen to Born Rebels, it's it's almost like grabbing something off my back and going, you know, throwing the shit away. It's like, oh, cool, man. Like, that's that's fucking gone. You know, let, let's go back and do some new shit. And that's mm-hmm. kind of, yeah. Like, I just, I like that kind of music, man. I just like honest music. And just, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. So you, you like it because it's honest um, and it's also kind of like, um, it's a release. Yeah, and it's relatable. Like I kind of, you know, I get it. And I mean, there's certain things about, you can take from rock music and hip hop and they just speak to different audiences. And I, I, I don't know, man. I just, I, I feel like I can't grab everything from one genre, you know? Like I just don't know how people do it. And like I would like to be able to just, you know, stick to one thing, but the bonus is is that when hip-hop's falling off and there's just nothing out that's good, I at least have something else to go to, you know? It's the same way with rock. When rock's, like, stale as fuck, I can just, you know, I'm like, oh, shit, what's out in hip-hop that I miss, you know? Harrison. Right. Uh, so you're 21 You're twenty one years old? Yeah. Uh, your song was premiered on Beats. You've been making music for, like, a, what, four years? Four years. Four years only? Are you, and you're, are you signed to the last game? I am signed to the last game. How did that happen? Uh, uh, well, I don't know because like, like on my 19th birthday, I played, I opened for Cashmere Cat and, uh, I don't think there was any talks with them before that at all, but they came to the show and I think they just really liked the show. And then they're like, Hey, we want to come in and talk to you about a few things. And it wasn't like, they didn't email me anything. They just like, we want to come talk to us. And it was a. I remember that fucking. I remember that uh, talk so well because uh, my manager was there too, and he was like, "They're like, 
they sat me down, uh, like the president of Last Gang, uh, as well as the A&R guy, James Trousey. And they're like, they look me in my soul. They're like, so what do you want to do in the next four years? I'm like, what? What? I like look over at my manager. I'm like, what's, what's going on? They're like, what? like yeah, I'm like, where, where do you see yourself? I'm like, uh, I don't know. And then like a week later, I was like signed with them. And it was like, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was cool. I don't know. And then <laughs> I was like, I just want to make music. Yeah, well, like what I'm, you know, what's pretty cool is like you've been making music for four years. You're only 21 years old. And, you know, in the city, we have so much talent, but a lot of them are overlooked or don't get the chance. And you're 21. You got a label. You're signed by a label and your music is on Beats One. And like, how are you feeling about all that? I feel I'm hella surprised. Yeah. I'm like, damn. I didn't because I didn't. I is it was a like it was not like what I was saying before. It wasn't like my expectation. It was just like I can just make music and it'll be fun, and I don't mind getting like a day job or whatever as long as I can just make music. It'll be fun. It's like what I have. It I it was I don't know. I'm very grateful, like grateful, and uh, sometimes when I'm like other places and like feel a little down or lonely, I'm like. Damn, I'm like super grateful I'm even here. It's because I think the cool thing is that, you know, um, some people like hustle, grind, they're like, like grind, they're working really, 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 really hard to make something happen. And it seems like you are like just enjoying the journey and having a good time. And then you get that opportunity. I wonder if there's any like, you know, something to learn from, like just do the music and, you know, everything else will take care of itself or, 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 well, or I not. Th- I yeah. think, I, I, okay might be biased because it's my music but i think because i live in toronto which is very rap focused and there's a you know that toronto sound that we call it now i think because i was doing something maybe a little more uplifting and a little more maybe funky i don't know that uh like uh the the difference sort of made might have stood out in Toronto, and like, I th- I think I just got really lucky actually because it's like I was doing something not hugely different but different from what a lot of people are doing at the moment because a lot of people want to sing and rap and neo soul and Drake sound, <laughs> right? So, um, I I when I started making music and stuff, I was, it was very niche It was like in a niche. Uh, and like, there's a, f- there's a lot of art, like SoundCloud artists. That's a thing. Like saying SoundCloud artist, that's a thing. Now you can say like, Oh, it's a, that was a SoundCloud artist or that is a SoundCloud artist. And I, I was lucky enough to just be using it. Like people used MySpace before MySpace became, Oh, it was MySpace. <laughs> they were, they were art- MySpace artists. So like, it's not like I don't believe in my music because I do, but I do think I got lucky in some cases because I like I do like my music. And I think I'm proud of it, but uh, it, w- it there is, in my opinion, a lot of right place at the right time. Chris Martin from Post Office Sound. All this development stuff that you're doing, why are you doing this? Like, how did it come to be, and what's what's why? So because as obviously this is. This is at this moment all the artist development and helping artists is not making you money as a business owner, right? No. no? Well, yeah. in, inevitably yeah. or inadvertently, it is because. So what we've done is we've created a very avid 
creative community of artists and we've given them a home. So there's a lot of creative energy and a lot of buzz and a lot of things happening at our studio. And again, back to perception, that's what sells to the ad agencies. That's the leg up for us because we're not the big multi-million dollar facility with a staff of 70 and all this crap and jingle writers like, you know, on contract and all this shit. We're a small boutique shop that has one of everything and we can we have a mirrored room to them, but we don't want to take on a whole bunch of projects that mean nothing. So for me, community is about curating the content and the culture. So and it's about feeding back and it's creating a secular system. So we work and develop with artists we're passionate about and make projects and help push out projects that we really believe in and feel creatively connected with. And the more we do that, the more our brand identity comes out and the more authentic our music is and our craft is. And then that is the way we win the business now because when people are thinking of people in the community, they're not... And they like, say the new creative director is in here and he's working on a cool Nike spot or something like that. Like, he knows that Nike may want to go to this big, like, white bread firm with a bunch of, like, you know, jingle writers with no names. But he also knows, like, we're messing with, like, really cool artists. Like, we're working with the community. We, like, are doing something. With the something. rich kids and the, the yeah, stuff and like that. Yeah, all the guys yeah, from yeah. Deus and Remix Project. And yeah. we've been working with, like, you know, like, we've recorded, like, and working with, like, the OVO guys, like Roy Woods and Jordan. And, like, we've tracked, like, Chance the Rapper. Like, three of the tracks on his last album were, like, tracked out of our space. And, like, so that culture then is perceived by the ad agencies as cool and that's how we're that's how we're making money right now is by being fucking cool i guess like as dumb as that sounds like investing in creative artistic people who have a vision who are cool will turn back and turn heads by brands inevitably more so than you know just the fancy facility Um, And so that's kind of the thing. Like, you need to have a base. You need to be professional enough. You need to, like, you know, have enough of a home base and a facility and all that. But, like, you can do it with a Swiss Army knife, right? You don't need a whole camping kit. Like, like, yeah, we are more authentic than our competitors. And so that there is where the money comes back. And that's the cool part about the community is that now – like, we drag in ad work that now I'm able to, like, hand out to, like, my friends and stuff like that. Like, we just, like I was telling you earlier, we just finished a movie called uh, Wexford Plaza that was about a Scarborough, like, strip mall with, like, a kind of unfortunate female security guard. But the whole movie, we just scored with, like, sc- like authentic Scarborough hip-hop from, like, Jimmy B and Tona and all this stuff. So, like, if if you know the environment and you watch this movie, like, it is super, super Scarborough. Um, and yeah, like, I that's what I feel is like fucking cool about it. And that's that is what it's like turning into money, and that is what's fueling our community because the more opportunities I drag into the shop, I can project out to the community, I can fuel their creativity, and then it comes back, and it's just a secular, secular thing where our 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 friends and the people we believe in are inevitably provided with more opportunities and it builds the shop up and it's just this it's this ever growing community of opportunity. <laughs> it sounds awesome, bro. Rochester, aka Juice, 
is one of the conversations where he tells us how travel is a knowledge that people need. And then Kamvali, who was the only artist to be interviewed twice in 2016, tells us about not chasing hits and the pressures of doing so. And then Rob Stone, the guy who made Chill Bill, a song that got over 150 million listens in 2016, tells us about the crazy story right before he made the song Chill Bill. Let's just say there's some illegal activities involved here. Allegedly. <laughs> and then we end off the best of 2016 part two with Lizzo telling us what it was like to work with Prince and how after Prince passed, it changed how she made music. The Come Up Show, Best of 2016, Part 2. Rochester. I always say like you know like travel is like is just a just a knowledge that you know people need man like travel is knowledge man like seeing other parts of the world you learn things man like if you want to if you're if you're if you're open to these experiences you can just learn so much stuff man that you know that that can't be really taught in books yo so like i encourage people to travel as much as as, as they can and get out of your own bubble a little bit yeah. and see how the world lives man you know it's, the, it's so funny because when I was doing a radio show in London, Ontario, that some Toronto guys would see London as like, yo, that's so far. Like, they wouldn't go Bruh. past Saga or anything like yeah, that. I know, they're like, I know. And like, just had a new app. Like, they're trying to promote a new album. I'm like, yo, you're not willing to make the two hours drive to London? Okay, forget it. <laughs> I and know, I always, man, so I, always go. I always wonder why Toronto cats like that, like, just didn't want to go outside of GTA. Yeah, they feel like they have everything there. And we're yeah. not the only people. There's a lot yeah. of people who in New York, you know what I'm saying? They kind of stay. If you're from Brooklyn, you might stay in that radius or whatever. I know certain mans who won't go north of Eglinton, you know, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They're like, yo, north of where? No, 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 no. They ain't doing that, you know? But um, I think when you're traveling, man, it's, it's, it's experiences that, you know, that opens up your mind to new all kinds of new things, new new cultures, new tastes, new new sights, everything, man. So, mm -hmm. Cavalli. Let's talk about the drive and motivation. I was reading the interview that you did. Uh, you know, when uh, uh, people first come into any creative field, their their motivation, like their drive, is a hundred percent, thousand percent, and they're uh, they're fresh, they're bright eyed. And they say, the world is mine. I'm going to take over. And you were talking about that the drive and the motivation is still there for you, but you'd be lying if uh, you didn't say there's a lot of mess that comes with it. Mm -hmm. What are you talking about when you say there's a lot of mess that comes with it? Um, yeah, like a lot of conversations that me and my uh, manager have, it's just super depressing. It's just like the stuff that you got to do, you know, like with music, there's just a lot of background stuff and like a lot of industry quote unquote people let's talk about it because this is what this podcast is about people really need to see what's up what's going on so what are the industry stuff that you gotta do no, you gotta just, post this something no, to instagram this way in this a filter okay. so like. it's just like <laughs> i don't want to talk as if like i'm this big person you know what i'm saying like i'm still local you know so i'm still on the come up but it's just yeah. like it's super crazy that like because my manager is well connected, right? So he'll always send my stuff to a few industry cats and he'll get the feedback from them. And it's just like, you got to do this a certain way. You know what I'm saying? 
um, by doing this in a certain way is when you're recording, making music, or what specific thing you're saying to do this a certain way? The kind of music I make. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, this has to be done a certain way for you to gain this level of um, success, right? And it's just like, why? Who said that that's the only way for things to be done? It's a headache when you got to really like go through all that and just the politics and it's just it becomes too much but at the end of the day like this is what i signed up for right you know this is what this is what i love to do this music stuff and you know and all the stuff that comes with it i just got to learn how to deal with it and maneuver you know maneuver around it and whatever so it's cool it's yeah cool. i'm not i'm not i'm not complaining i'm not crying about it or no, anything but like, like that, you know what i'm saying but, you get into music Usually people, their intentions they get like music is, I want to make good music. Mm-hmm. I want to change lives. I want to do something, uh, stuff that is authentic to me. I want to put the best product out there possible from my heart. That I just, I just be, don't want to yeah. chase hits. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. they always say like, you're as big as your hit. Do you know how hard it is to put out a hit and then follow up to that hit? It's very rare. And you know, that's when you become a one hit wonder. And it's just like, if I make music and and it catches and people are just like really loving that song, that particular song, then so be it. But I'm not going to be inside of a studio just like, all right, guys, we got to make a hit. Like, what's the hit formula? Like, let's 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 put it together. We need this one hit and we're out of here. It's just like, nah, man, I'd rather make music that people can relate to. You know what I'm saying? That somebody down the street, you know, just had a bad breakup and they can, you know, put on my music and listen to it and feel like, yo, I can relate to this guy. This guy's going through the same things that I've been going through. That's why I felt like songs, like, hold on, you know. That's, I was going to ask you about that, yeah. One of my favorite songs. It's a super powerful song. You let him go and I can tell you find him, but you gotta hold on to something. Oh, yeah, you gotta hold on to something. You gotta hold on to something. I like doing stuff like that because I, I like when people hit me up and just like, yo, that song, hold on. You know, I listen to it every single day and, you know, it gets me through my day. Like, I I have messages like that and it's just crazy because, you know, it's just like, that's a song I made in my, my room, you know what I'm saying, my bedroom. And for it to connect with people like that, that's what matters most to me. Not, that's not, what matters the most yeah, to me. Not, you may not control the like when that million dollar check or record label or whatever can comes, but th- what people are saying, hey, this is what I listen to every day or this is what makes a difference to numbers, me. Yeah. Numbers, all that don't, they, I don't care. I don't care about numbers. You know what I'm saying? Like numbers can be bought. You know what I'm saying? Literally numbers can be bought. You know what I'm saying? So even if it's 200 people that listen to my music and I touch those 200 people and they felt something when they're listening to my music, that's all that matters. You know what I'm saying? I don't really care about anything else. Rob Stone. I want to know this full story of Chill Bill because it's a pretty great story that our our listeners need to hear, man. And I want 
take us to the beginning of that day or is it the day before you guys were allegedly planning something and uh and uh go from there yeah so like well one day we would plan to rob this house so then that morning that we made your bill uh i went and picked up davis and uh me davis spooks and uh, the homie tom cruise uh, we were about to like go do the shit everything but as soon as we got out the car like the police came running down the street and uh and like they like stopped us everything they put me and tom cruise in the back of the car and was talking to davis and spooks outside but like they didn't have anything on this because we didn't have weapons or anything so like they had to let us go like um and then immediately after that, like, we went to Spook's house, and Davis was like, yo, I got this beat with the Kill Bill whistle, like, Perp Dog made and shit. And I was like, all right, for sure, like, because we already fucked with Perp Dog. And, uh, like, Kill Bill was one of my favorite movies, so as soon as I heard the beat, it was like, it was love for me. Mm-hmm. And then we went to the studio out by Mexico, and uh, we knocked it out, like, in an hour, like, mm-hmm. hour, like, two how scared was that like a wake up moment though? like was that a scary moment where you're like oh man I gotta switch up my shit or nah it was just like another yeah. thing yeah it was definitely like a wake up call but I mean like I was just like a lot smarter about the shit I did yeah. like that was like that was like about to be a desperation move for us mm. well at least we thought we were desperate but really we just wanted weed and to go to the studio <laughs> that's all we spent our money on <laughs> it was weed and studio time man and uh, you kind of pro- like saw this. You, you had a vision for yourself because when you made that chill bill, you, you knew it was a, like it was gonna go somewhere. You knew it was a hit, and that uh, you have the you had the balls to like say, "Yo, I'm not gonna do school. I'm not gonna get a regular job. This is the type of life that I want. I'm gonna do." And that's pretty like where did that come from? And how did you like where did that intuition come from? I don't know, man. Like I don't know. I just didn't, I was always thinking like I didn't want to be like I didn't want to be working a job like that. Like, I knew I wasn't going to be happy at, and, like, especially once I, like, I got into music, like, it was, like, I was, like, all in. After that conversation, it was, like, no stopping it no matter what. Mm-hmm. Like, it was no stopping <laughs> The only person I was going to stop it was me. Lizzo. I do my head toss, check my nails. Baby, how you feeling? Head toss, check my nails. Baby, how you feeling? That's good. Yo, girl, you've worked with Prince, man. Oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah. Tell me how this happened. Um, oh, I had to talk about this earlier. Yeah, well, sad. everybody's going to ask you about this. I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, we did a documentary in Minnesota. It was like a little one. And um, I was, me and uh, a girl group I was in with, Sophia Ayers was featured, who's my DJ. And then Prince was featured. And then the feeling from The Voice. I don't know if y'all remember him. But it was like Minnesota artists. And Prince saw the documentary, obviously, because he was in it. 
and or it was like third eye girl it was like his his group and then he hit up the radio station the local radio station it was like who are those girls like i want to work i want to work with them and the radio station hit us up and we were like what and it was just like this very surreal next couple days where it was like he summoned us to paisley park on easter sunday and everything was just so magical you know the way he handled us the way he dealt the way he does things and did does things i don't know we 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 recorded a song at paisley park studios i recorded on boy trouble and basically um his engineer was like you know prince wants you to treat this as if it's your song you know just go for it and i remember like smelling the microphone and being like, this is prince's mic and it was like purple and it's like all this it was purple it was like it was like purple like like silk and stuff hanging from it and i was just like this is amazing and wow. um since then you know we had been i'd been invited back and we performed there and i got to see him perform and play piano he invited us and we were like in this like little vip thing and he just like sat there and played piano and sang you know it was mac and cheese he gave us a gift basket like it was just, just wow. amazing like just magical and surreal and um i feel very blessed i feel so blessed like it's not even funny because i y'all straight up knew in my heart of hearts that I was going to work with him again or that I was going to see him again or that he was going to come to my show or something and that's not going to happen so it's just it's heartbreaking for a lot for thousands and thousands hundreds of artists let me say hundreds and it's and it's it's heartbreaking for hundreds of artists who knew him and loved him and it's like soul crushing for the millions of people in the world who loved him so I don't think I've ever felt such a heavy wave of, you know, mourning for for one person, like globally. And I feel like music changed. I feel like incentive changed. And I feel like something got upped. Like people were coming up with more positive music. People were coming up with more authentic music. You know, you listen to Awaken My Love and it's like, whew. There's moments on there where you're like, whew, Prince. Prince would have been like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? You know, Beyonce came through with the don't play yourself. When you play me, you play yourself. That's a direct Prince quote. Not knowing mm-hmm. that she did that intentionally, but whew. Like, we've all, we all feel like we're stepping up to the plate to fill some very, very, very big platform purple boots. <laughs> um, and I think that music is, like, the most exciting it's ever been. The Grammy nominations are out. My producer is nominated for producer of the year, Ricky Reed, who mm. did good as hell and coconut oil. And excuse me, I'm so proud of him. But like the Grammys, if you look at this, like if that's the representation of mainstream music, we on to something. We on to something good. So I don't know. I'm just happy to be a musician mm-hmm. right now. And I'm happy to have worked with Prince and to mm-hmm. have known that he was a fan. And when you say fill in his purple boots, do, do you mean, uh, is that what you mean by saying that his death gave you like an extra urgency? Like, totally. Yeah. It made me dedicate myself to positive music mm. for sure. I've tried to do like the moody, cute stuff. I can't do it. And I, I was like, man, I'm just going to be that happy go lucky girl forever. But I've completely committed to it ever since April. And I am I feel such a relief, you know, and I was like, if you think I'm too happy, something wrong with you in your life. 
Because, you know, a lot of people do that. They be like, oh, I don't, she's just too friendly. You know what I'm saying? Like, people complain about everything. But I'm not afraid of that anymore mm-hmm. because Prince wasn't. Prince had dedicated all of his, like, his whole legacy to celebrating women, celebrating women of color, and celebrating positive music. And um, I'm going to uphold that, you know? Hmm. Big shoes to feel, though, baby. Big shoes to fucking feel. Much found it. Thank you for listening to the Come Up Show podcast. This was a great year. 2016 was a great year because we got amazing guests, but the gems, the information, the inspiration, the vulnerability that some artists share with us is what pushed me as an interviewer. It motivated me and made me excited each and every Wednesday to deliver an interview and podcast to you guys. And I'm planning to turn it up in 2017. <laughs> I'm not one of these guys that say, 2017 is mine. But I need your feedback to take this to the next level. The Come Up Show podcast is nothing without its listeners. And if you're listening to this, reach out at The Come Up Show on Twitter. Who would you love to hear on The Come Up Show podcast? Any new things that we should try or experiment on? I need y'all. Without further ado, I'm going to say peace. And see y'all in 2017. It's your boy Chetto. Thank <laughs> you.